Hi, this is Christopher Daniel Barnes, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man, and you're listening to the Canned Air Podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Canned Air, a tribute to comics and pop culture. I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Runyon. I'm Kyle. What's your last name there, Kyle? (laughs) I gotta say my last name, too. (laughs) The people want to know, Kyle who? (laughs) Kyle who? My name's Kyle Fryer. There we go. And joining us today to talk about staunch ambition, Brian Lau. Thanks so much for being with us today, Brian. Hey, you're welcome, man. Happy Memorial Day. Yeah, you too. By the time anyone's hearing this, it's the holiday's going to be long past, but it's Memorial Day today, and we are all uh, feeling good. Got a lot of sunlight eating off the oh, grill yeah. today. Definitely. Couldn't have asked for better weather for a, a day. perfect like summer day. And yeah, you all right. know how much I like my summer. I right? do. It's a well-documented <laughs> fact. <laughs> At least three episodes have documented <laughs> that, yes. In yes. sequence, no less. <laughs> uh, we got a good episode for you this week in our Retro Roundtable. We're going to be talking about Kevin Smith movies and just the whole view askew world. I'm really excited to do this because... Uh, I'm a big fan. I think you guys are as well. Oh, sure. Definitely. Uh, that strange continuity that exists between yeah, it all. Yeah, I love it. And uh, it's just been it's long overdue sure. when you talk about it. So then we're going to jump into the comic vault. What do you guys have to talk about this week? I've got a little uh, free comic book day selection called Kaiser Sose, Scorched Earth. Cool, cool, Kyle. Nice. Uh, I'm going to be talking about Fallen Sun, the death of Captain America, the Wolverine. Oh, yeah, that was in the, uh, the aftermath of... Captain America's assassination, I think 2007. Yeah. So cool, cool. A few of the books we'll be talking about there, and then we're going to turn our full attention over to Brian and talk staunch ambition. But first, don't forget to follow us on all our social media networking, uh, Twitter, at CannedAirPod, and Instagram at Canned underscore Air. Check out our website, CannedAirPodcast.com, where you've got links to our special guests, contacts page, our fantastic line of merch at society6.com slash podcast mm-hmm. and uh, all sorts of fun stuff going to be coming up on our YouTube page. Don't miss that either. It's coming. It's oh, coming. It's getting there. <laughs> <laughs> you just wait. Give it time. Yeah, very good. So let's just kick it off with this week's Retro Round Table. All right, Kevin Smith and View Askew. Man, where do you even start? Yeah. Let's let uh, Brian start. What's your favorite uh, Kevin Smith movie there, Brian? It's hard to pick. I haven't seen all of his. I've seen a few. Um, Clerks might be one of my favorites just because I think Mm -hmm. it might have been the first ones I've seen. And just classic. Not sure. Was that his first movie or second? Yes, first. Okay, so I'm going to go with Clerks just because, uh, you know, that really just set him off in his career. It's classic, uh, well-written, and uh, had a unique uh, indie vibe. So Absolutely. Uh, but but he, he he has so many great, like, there's magical moments in, in movies, like Jaws, when they're in the bottom of the boat, you know, singing and comparing scars. And it's that's like one of the iconic movies. He just has several scenes that are just amazing in all of his movies. So, But Clerks, Clerks was a classic. I can totally agree with you. Um, Clerks was amazing. I mean, the, how candid it seemed right. to be. Mm-hmm. It, you know, the black and white, and obviously uh, the characters in it, Dante, Jay, Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, sure. Always a, always a hit. But um, I think Clerks 2 <clears throat> resonated with me a lot more. I feel like it's the most watchable. It's the one I can sit down and just, like, put on. You know, I don't have to be in any particular mood to watch it. It's just I can like see that. Fun. You know what I mean? Does that make it, any sense? Yeah. And it's funny because when I tell people that, they uh, it seems to be an unpopular opinion. Oh, you like right. Clerks too? And I'm just like, I don't understand why yeah. you don't. You well, know? they're giving it, it a bad rap just because it's a sequel. You right. know, I think it's a quality and film. And it kind of leaps out of that you know? indie look, that black and white sure. candid aspect to more mainstream Hollywood. But... It just came at a time in my life where I could so relate to Dante. <laughs> like, there's that whole scene where he just leaves work, he goes on a drive, and he's that Smashing Pumpkins 1979 yeah, yeah. playing. Oh, and that in itself is a, you know, I love the pumpkins. Huge, sure. huge inspiration on me. 
But uh, him just wandering around, where his wondering where his life's going to go with that song playing. I tell you what, it really made an impact and made me really think, like, what am I going to do with my life, you know? (laughs) And, you know, you and lots of other people I've met have said the same thing about Clerks and Clerks, too, that Mm -hmm. there's something so relatable about it. And it's kind of refreshing to see these people who are going through the same kind of psychological struggle. It's not some big catastrophic thing, you know, like, oh, this, oh, that. It's, It's this small daily personal struggle what am i doing is it worth it where do i go exactly and what made it great though too was the ending the ending wasn't like we found our way out of this right into the stereotypical perfect life that you know they ended up at the convenience store but that was the happy ending you know happiness can be right in front of you there's something to be said for being content you know right right or learning to appreciate what little you have if that's just you know yeah. I did not expect this conversation to get so deep so quick I know. See, that's <laughs> the great thing about his movies I think yeah. is that you've got this veneer of very immature like he's not afraid to plumb sure. the absolute depths of toilet humor mm-hmm. but at the same time there's there's always that undercurrent of of real a hard emotional heft yeah, yeah. there's yeah. a hard behind all of them for sure I, I feel like I can think of some like really prime examples where when you're watching Kevin Smith's movies, you're really kind of having a conversation with Kevin Smith. The scene that comes to mind, Chasing Amy, mm, when yeah, Silent yeah. Bob describes the whole yeah. Chasing Amy scenario, yeah, yeah. you know, and it's it's weird. It's an unconventional move to have the director of a movie sit down and explain to you the meaning and plot <laughs> of the movie. But at the same time, I remember the first time I saw that, just sitting there like in rapt attention, just thinking, wow, like that's... That's heavy. That's not something he just pulled out of his ass. Right. That's an experience that he relates through these characters. Something he's not necessarily venting, but conveying to the audience. And it, it's interesting in a way that, that a lot of other films can't necessarily carry that weight. And I think you have to have those little kernels of, of emotional depth sort of interspersed throughout the immaturity because it makes them that much more poignant when they mm-hmm. hit. You know, it's about the juxtaposition of of introspection. And gross out humor. Right, right. <laughs> I'm going to have to agree with. I'm ignorant to a lot of his work, but uh, I've I've listened to him speak. He, the guy's a master storyteller, and, and no one question. of the yeah. I, yeah, he resonates because he wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah, and he, and he knows he knows how to build up the uh, the uh, punchline. So um, his movies. I, I, that I've seen wouldn't have to. You know, that's what's behind it all. Is uh, he, this guy has. He's not afraid to be vulnerable. He's not afraid to be real, and yet, you know, and then entertaining, and so that he, he's amazing uh, storyteller. One of the best I've heard out there. That's for certain. Absolutely. And you know, whatever your opinion of him is, because Lord knows there are outspoken critics of everybody. You know, Kevin yeah. Smith's oh, no yeah. exception, but no one can ever accuse him of being like insincere. You know, right. He has always Definitely. been exactly what he is, and that's worthy of respect. He's been true to himself it, and yeah, what he yeah. loves, and that's why it's so admirable and turns out so good, I think. Sure. You know? Anyway, uh, Kyle, favorite movie? Um, mine, I'm going to have to go with uh, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was uh, one of the first movies I saw. My parents had it, and it was one of the movies that they said, don't ever watch this movie until you're old enough. So naturally, my friend and I, when we were in fifth yeah. grade, watched it together. Sure. And that kind of uh, cemented our friendship. We like would go to school and not quote everything in the movie, but we had like these little inside jokes that we would just say to each other in the hallway. Got like that dark secret. Yeah, no that, yeah it was hilarious. I mean, even to this day, Nick and I still uh, watch it. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's awesome. We, uh, Brooke and I were obsessed with it when it came out. And, like, we <laughs> quoted it for a long time. A long time. Such a good oh, movie. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, you're the Dawson. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Jake. I know I already said Clerks, too, because that's definitely right up there for me. Just a combination of, like, cast, writing, everything about it mm-hmm. is fantastic. But if I had to step away from that... I keep going back to mall rats. I don't know. It's weird. I think growing up, I'd already associated my interests, you know, God, games, movies, comics, sci-fi, mm-hmm. horror, etc. These are all, you know, low pursuits. These are something dorks do, you know, fat, gross people living in their basement, whatever. <laughs> Thanks, Jake. Not that, I mean, come on, though. <laughs> no, you know what I mean. Not that mall rats does anything to fight those stereotypes, but it's interesting seeing 
character complexity amidst all of these traits, if that makes any sense. I always had this idea that when you're into these things, it's like a brand. You're stuck. That's your whole world because nothing else is open to you. But Mm -hmm. you you see these movies, Mulrats, etc., and you see these people, there's more to them than that. It's a core of their being, but they're unashamed. Right. I mean, you know, they're slobs. They're gross, you know, but... But there's there's something real there, and and I think that's something I like about Kevin Smith as a person because it's like you can look at him and say like, hey, geeks can make it too, you know, yeah. <laughs> right? It doesn't matter if you're a nerd, you're passionate, you got the drive, you can make something of yourself. How cool though to be as passionate about comics, oh you man, know, and then that dude lives the life. He does, and then you know, not only have Stanley in the movie, but he's had an association <laughs> with Stanley right. several times since then. So I'm sure they you know know each other on somewhat of a personal level. Correct. But uh, speaking yeah. of Stanley, I'm going to change mine from Clerks to my favorite movie by him. Have you seen this short he did where it's uh, training to be a cameo actor and Stanley stars in it? No, I haven't I have heard of that. It sounds oh, hilarious. You guys got to look this up. I mean, it's 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 full produced. It's just a short, you know, just like a skit. And and it's it's kind of like people talking about Stan Lee, like the great like he's the greatest cameo actor of all time. <laughs> oh, it's brilliant, man. I need to. Is this on YouTube? Oh, yeah. I don't know what it's called, but I watched it. And I actually I'm going to go with that because uh, I haven't seen a lot of his movies lately. And I don't think he's had a good track record lately by according to some accounts. But this is brilliant. Yeah, I haven't seen a lot of the uh, the last one I saw was Tusk. Yeah. Did you guys see that one? I did. That was I was excited there. to see it too. Yeah. I remember waiting for it to come out. Like, oh boy, it took how such weird's a it turn, be? man. I mean, <laughs> like, uh, I mean, it wasn't bad. It just wasn't like un- it was very unexpected. Yeah. Like, yeah. Whoa, yeah. you know, okay. But I, it resonated uh, on the fact that uh, they were podcasters. You oh, know, sure. Obviously, here yeah. we yeah. are. Uh, who who was that? Uh, Haley Joel Haley Osment Osment was in that yeah. too. Yeah. yeah. The Nazi party. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that concept. <laughs> I tell you what, for for all its strangeness, Tusk achieved one thing. I, I wasn't even sure was possible at the time I watched it. Me and my roommates used to have these like every month. We'd have a little twelve-hour movie mini marathon. We'd contribute movies to the pool, and the objective was to like force the other viewers to cop out. You'd find the weirdest, strangest, most off-the-wall indie and underground stuff, and you see who bailed first. And so I'd become pretty numb to a lot of stuff after a while. You can only (laughs) see so many exploitation movies. Yeah, so (laughs) there's the answer for you. But I saw Tusk, and I felt nauseous. Like, the first time you see him in his full Tuscan glory. Yeah. I, I actually my stomach churned away. I was like, oh, oh my god! It's just how the movie I'm leaves it too, like him just chained out back of like that <laughs> dilapidated like hotel or whatever. Because he went full walrus. Oh. You can't go full walrus. <laughs> it was crazy. It was crazy for sure. Uh, what about you, Brian? Any other uh, thing, other projects you can think of? Uh, just listening to his uh, different podcasts. Uh, you know, comic book yes. mess at the show. You know, I've caught it here and there. Not, a, you know, not. A, I don't watch it every episode, but just yeah, sure. he's, he's one of the most prominent geeks out there, you know, and I think before it was fashionable. So, you know, he's just he's contributed so much to geek culture. I'm I'm sending you the YouTube link to this. Uh, it's called Stan Lee's Cameo School. Awesome. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Please. Do. Definitely. School. I, think, I didn't roll in. He's in it, but I, I think he had more to do with just just starring in it. I think he produced it or wrote it or something. I don't know. But. You know, I never thought about that. You just said something I never really thought about, that he really kind of helped uh, usher in geek culture to the yeah, mainstream. Yeah. I never thought about that, but very true. And the Smodcast, or Smodco network that uh, he's put together, can you guys think of any other podcast network as big or as prominent as that? Not really. Like, that's I, the one your mind goes to when you yeah. think podcast network, right. which is kind of a new concept still. Right. I mean, you have your mainstream pods like Mark Marin and, you know, Chris Hardwick, mm-hmm. The Nerdist, yeah, and, and uh, which are good shows. Sure. Uh, what, uh, what's the uh, Joe Rogan show? He's got a really popular oh, show, too. I forget what but, the name of the show um, itself is. You know, they're just self-standing shows. I don't think they're representing, like, a big Mm-mm. network. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, Fat Man on Batman. Great <laughs> yeah. podcast. I love that uh, show because every week he has someone on 
you know, relate who's either drawn, written for, played Batman, somehow related to Batman or contribute yeah. to that mythos in some way. So that's how, how was this Batman's story? I've never read it. Been curious to read it, but uh, heard mixed reviews. And um, it was really good. I've got the two that are out now. It's what the Widening Geyer and Cacophony. I think they actually go in the other order. It's funny you uh, bring those up because there are a few times, like when you're reading comics, that I mean, I can think of hundreds of comics I've read, and only a handful of moments in those books like really are burnt into my memory mm-hmm. and really stay with you. Like I can, I remember in particular like Spider-Man battles. I couldn't tell you what issue it came from, but just the way it played out was so freaking oh, awesome. Sure. And I had that moment with Cacophony. And I don't, it's been so long since I've read them, I don't remember the exact premise of them. But uh, in short, toward the end, the Joker gets stabbed in the chest and is on his deathbed. Hang on, I gotta answer Zord on here. <laughs> was that the joke of getting stabbed in the chest sound? Yeah. <laughs> the, the best, the closest I could find. <laughs> I wouldn't think that would be a sound he would get. He would have it uh, rigged up in case he had to Pretty close. <laughs> right. But he gets stabbed in the chest by this other villain. I can't remember who it was. And um, it's on the top of uh, police headquarters. So Jim Gordon's standing there and Batman's distraught, like, no, you know, you can't kill him. And Gordon's like, you know what? This is like a gravy situation. You didn't kill him, but you don't have to save him. Think of what he's done to my daughter. Think of what he's done to you. Just let him die. But Batman can't do it. No. So the next scene cuts to a hospital hallway, and you see this scruffy-looking guy with a big mole on his face, beard, long trench coat hat, walk into the ICU ward. And he walks into the room where uh, the Joker is. He's strapped to a table or a, his uh, bed, but, you know, he has enough play in his arms where he can, like, read a magazine. And he's sitting there reading a magazine, and when he takes it down, this was this scene was very impactful. It was him laying there with a, you know, his white Joker makeup, but then a big, long black beard coming out of it because he'd been laying there in, like, coma <laughs> oh so long. No one had been taking care of him, so... I don't know, just that little tiny slice of yeah. humanity coming out. But the guy walks up to the bed, and Joker takes one look at him and says, Hey, Bats. And he knows <laughs> That's it's all it takes. Dang. And uh, he goes, I see you chose your old Matches Malone costume there. Really cute, <laughs> cute. And So they start talking, and uh, Joker's like, I can't take anything you're saying serious in that. He goes, "Go step behind the curtain and put your real face on. So... <laughs> Uh, the the figure steps over where the next the patient's bed would be, zips the curtain shut, and a few seconds later takes it back, and there's Batman in all his glory standing there. Nice. And he goes, "That's better, you know." And Batman says, "You know, I, since you're in this state, you're strapped down, you're in a incapacitated state. I wanted to just see if we are seeing eye to eye at all. You know, after all these years, after all, you know, it's like clockwork. You raise, you start trouble." I come beat you up, throw you an Arkham, you break out. The whole thing happens Cyclical. again. <laughs> yeah. He goes, and I am starting to think that maybe there's, uh, maybe there is an actual care for one another in there. And uh, he goes, what do you think? And he goes, I'm so, I hate to disappoint you, Bats, but, you know, if I had the opportunity, I would totally kill you. And you can just see this look of, like, disappointment wipe down Batman's oh, man. face. But he goes... Um, he goes, I don't want to kill you because I'm crazy. He goes, I'm crazy because I want to kill you. He goes, once you're dead, once you're gone, it all ends. He goes, the killing ends. I'll go to Arkham. There'll be nothing left for me to do. And it just left Batman sitting there with this big, like, ferump. Like, it was just burnt. The imagery and the story was just perfect. I'll quit rabbling. But just well, to have that human Batman level. Batman is the fuel that keeps him e- his evil. Oh, man. Yeah. And it's... um. That's cool. You really feel the essence of Batman come through. Kevin Smith obviously knows Batman. <laughs> I mean, he's obsessed right. with him, been reading him he for years. He gets it. Yeah. And I've never read, like, his Daredevil, or I think he wrote for the Green Lantern, too. I'm sure they're good. But, uh, yeah, Cacophony and Widening Geyer. Definitely check them out if you haven't. But uh, what else we got, gentlemen? Have any of you guys seen Red State? I want to so no. bad because oh. Brooks says it's so amazing. Make time. It's time. it's fantastic. It was great seeing him step out of his comfort zone a little bit and make something just totally, you know, off the wall. And it, it was a, a perfect fit for the genre. And there were so many nice touches of, of his element to it that you never felt like it was a total disconnect from what you expect from a Kevin Smith movie. Oh, quality stuff. 
really right. excellent. Well worth the watch. I need to, to watch talk it. about it like it all would kind of spoil it, but sure. It's got, I mean, it's got John Goodman. <laughs> You've already got me right, right. there. So that's all it takes. <laughs> that in itself, nice. John Goodman's yeah. a shit. Cows. Um. Probably Dogma. There you go. Would be Dogma. a good one. That's yeah. I can't believe we haven't talked about it yet. Shoot, that's I'll wait uh, for that one to come up. I, if I had a nickel for every time I've referenced the Buddy Christ to people, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I'd have a couple of nickels. The <laughs> <laughs> shit monster. Another one oh of those infinitely gosh. quotable. And if I'm not mistaken, when the shit monster makes his appearance, he's babbling some incoherent things like "not born, shit into existence." I believe. That's something that Clayface says in Arkham Asylum, A Serious Place on Serious Earth. Oh, is it that really? comic? Yeah. If I'm I not mistaken, that's, surprised. A, that's yeah. a Clayface reference. Right. Also in that scene, somewhere in the background, I haven't seen it, but I've heard that Brian Quinn from The Impractical Jokers, he's in the background of that is scene. Is he really? Because he's been rolling with those guys for years. Huh. Huh. And uh, he, that's why he's on Tell Him Steve Dave with uh, Brian Johnson. Oh, oh, sure. That podcast, let me tell you what, has made quite the impact on my little <laughs> life here. Yeah. Not only did it introduce me, I mean, it's the inspiration for this podcast right here, pretty much the template sure. for it. Nice. It introduced me to what a podcast was. I didn't even know what a podcast was. We were just watching Comic Book Man, and I saw a shirt that said TSD, and I asked Brooke, what is that? Oh, it's his podcast. What the fuck is a podcast? <laughs> but, um... It's weird because I tried to get into other podcasts, and I, you know, I've got a few that I check in on here and there. But tell them Steve Dave is the one that every week, like I'm waiting. Where's that next episode? Where is it? So good. They don't pull any punches on that show. That they don't, and that's why I love it. I mean, they're just themselves. They're just real. You You can't beat that. They're good at what they do, and the show wouldn't be the same without any of them. No, really wouldn't. But anyway, um, I keep on babbling here. Who would like to go next? Uh, Brian, do you have any other uh, projects to mention? Shout out to Dogma having uh, one of the greatest comedians of all time in it with uh, George. I mean, he must have been giddy to. I I don't know if he. I don't think he worked with him before, and uh, that he's probably got to be a big fan of Carlin. Carlin was a perfect fit. Oh sure, for sure. And he came back and uh, strike back, James. Yeah, he was. (laughs) (laughs) I'll take a shot in the mouth to get a few miles down the road. Why not? He know the rules. (laughs) First roll of the book. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Oh my god, I love it. I love it. I really want you. I wish you guys to see that cameo. We'll have to touch base when you guys watch that. That uh... absolutely. That's yeah, worth yeah, for sure. I can't wait. I see that you sent the link along, so we'll uh, check it out here shortly. Um, what about the few projects that we'll probably never see the light of day? There was uh, Clerks 3 that was being written and then Mallrats 2. Really? I didn't written. realize. Oh, wow. Yeah, they were being uh, written and um, I, something with the movie studios and the rights to the characters or something like that to where huh. those two projects aren't going to happen now. But uh, there's a Jay and Silent Bob reboot happening. Really? Apparently, which well, yeah, is- there was um, on Netflix, there was like a little cartoony type thing. I didn't think. Oh, it that was a Jay and Silent Bob super groovy cartoon yeah, movie. Yeah, I forgot that about was. That uh, I don't know. That was something. That was. Yeah, it was good for a couple of laughs, but it was fun. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was fun. But I guess the reboot is not just like a reboot with new people. Like the reboot in the sense we know it, they're like rebooting uh, the movie that was being made with the Blunt Man and Chronic oh, movie geez. from the first movie. So I think that'll be a lot of fun. Be a lot of yeah. That would be, really be hilarious. Cool. Yeah. Have you ever oh, seen the uh, Jay and Silent Bob cartoon series that aired for, I think, like, just a handful of episodes? No. No. You mean the Clerks cartoon series? That's what I meant. Oh, yeah. Yes. Clerks, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. I did see that. What, and, was, uh, uh, what was it, like 12 episodes or something Yeah, like not that? too many. But yeah. the, the bit that stands out is there was some kind of little, like, Jay and Silent Bob advice corner cutaway yeah. sequence. <laughs> right. And they're like, watch how when we turn this penny into a quarter. and they're like showing some little girl how to do it, and he throws a napkin over the pennies. Like, now you just speak the magic words, Satan, our dark lord and master, we give you this child's soul. Right. And like it bursts into flames, and it's a quarter. Oh, that's great. So, uh, the second episode of that was my favorite because like they get trapped in a freezer, and then they're trying to recall all their great memories, and it's just the first episode. That's like all they have together. <laughs> it's like all these flashbacks. It's just the same thing. That's pretty awesome. Oh my god. Oh, that's great. I would love to get some of these guys on the show. So oh, wait, yeah. To have Kevin on the show would be surreal. But that, that ain't happening. <laughs> to have royalty <laughs> on the program. We're two small potatoes. <laughs> but uh, it would be... Well, I guess we've had uh, we've had Jay on the show. We got to talk to Jay that's in, true. in uh, Cleveland. I that's got to count that. for something. Yeah. Yeah, it was brief, but... Uh, 
It is what Kevin it is. Kevin is on the show. He's right here. He's uh, but he's in the character of Silent Bob. So that's what it is. Oh yeah, he's just not talking. Hey, uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> well done, Brian. Well done. <laughs> well, following them all. All right. Well, I think that's probably going to do it for uh, the retro round. I think so because we could probably go on about that one for days. Oh yeah. I, 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 say, I say one more thing about him. As recently as his daughter has been getting to uh, you know old enough and and starting to get into the business and to hear him his relationship with his daughter and him talk with his daughter and to to work together. It, it speaks to who he is is because uh right he, like you said his heart on his sleeve and, and me i have kids so it's i just love that about him and i hope that that just stays true and his family you know stays close absolutely and uh, what was it? they just he did a movie or put a movie together for her and johnny depp's daughter uh, yeah yoga hosers i haven't seen it though Mm-mm. I haven't seen any of But yeah, it's really cool what you're talking about. Uh, he does seem uh, very rooted in his friends and family. Yeah. I mean, I guess they are kind of one and the same. <laughs> right. But uh, yeah, great guy. It'd be cool to have him on the show. No question. Or any of those guys. Yeah. Any of those guys from Views. Anyone from the Smithosphere. Yeah. If anyone's listening, hint, hint. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. I think that's going to do it for the Retro Roundtable. But before we get into the Comic Vault... We have to talk about a little Adult Swim show that uh, aired this past week. What was that it? The twenty did. May twenty second through the twenty sixth. Yeah, 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 yeah. I believe at midnight was the second season, the five part miniseries of Neon Joe Werewolf Hemp. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Which was a, a series that none of us, I think, knew existed. Even I had, really. way back in the day, it was I had seen a little bit of a couple of episodes, but I forgot it just as soon as I found it. It was just one of those things that like the timing never lined up for me. Right. Right. I got home, what was it, just, well, what, two weeks ago. I came home, and right before we were doing the show, there was a package on the step from Adult Swim that had just a Neon Joe comic book and just some information. Check this out and send your reviews here. So I was like, I've never even heard of this. And I read the comic, and I didn't take it at the sarcastic, funny tone from the show because I'd never seen the show. So I was like, oh, okay. That seems a little out there, but Okay. <laughs> Fell in love with it the second I watched it. I think you guys probably said this can say yeah. the same. Oh, absolutely. Uh, so, what'd you guys like about it? Um, I mean, the for me, it was, yeah. is so far <laughs> beyond. It's like they—they, they, I'm sure they reached a point where they're like, "All right, where's the line?" And they're like, "No, no, no, we don't have time for that. Right. <laughs> Just keep making it weird." Yeah, I didn't even know the show existed until you right. told me to go watch it because right. that's—I just haven't watched Adult Swim. I used to watch like when Toonami was on. I guess Toonami's back now, right? But, it is. But yeah, back so that's set my DVR and watched it the next morning. Maybe I'd stay up late and watch it. But yeah, the thing I loved about it was uh, that they kind of like they knew that it was really absurd. Like yeah. even in the second season when they hint at his accent, <laughs> like what kind of accent is that? It was vague. It's a vague accent. <laughs> Like, they just know that it's a ridiculous show, and I thought it was hilarious. you got to have that self-awareness when you go that absurd. Sure. And I tell you what, it's had uh, irreparable damage to our vocabulary. Oh, my God. (laughs) He-ump has become a part of our regular, uh, everyday vocabulary. It's not even, like, uh, as a joke anymore. I just find yeah. myself... And the, there's a lot of people who aren't aware of Neon Joe, so we're helping spread that Neon Joe goodness. And, and the he-ump is uh, just kind of like a tick, I guess, he has. Yeah, right? it's something what between the tick and the catchphrase. Yeah, it's just a, yeah. He, he just he throws it in place of like... A, uh, Almost like Smurf. Yeah, very much so. <laughs> yeah. And it's yeah. like, it's funny, at the start of the show, like in season one, it's one of those things where you could easily write it off as part of his accent. Like, mm. when he's saying here, comes out, you know, and you're like, oh, he's, you know, he's crazy. By the second episode, <laughs> I think, of the first season, they're already playing it up for laughs. Yes, right. Using it. It's like, what's that thing? You know what they say? Where there's a will, there's a <laughs> you know, When well, right. he was uh, crying, he's like, <laughs> <laughs> They just oh. abandoned all logic. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was absolutely great. And just out there. Oh, man. Um, I don't know if we're allowed to say what was transpired in these That's episodes. That's a good question. Still pretty we want to spoil it. But uh, I don't want to spoil it. I just tell you folks, if you like ridiculous humor, if you're, let me tell you this, if you like, check it out with Dr. Steve Brule, too, <laughs> yeah. another Adult Swim thing. This will be right up your alley. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you missed it on Adult Swim, then it's not too late to watch them. They might be on Hulu or something like that. Yeah. But for I sure, the first they're definitely on Hulu. Hulu. 
Is it? Yeah, the first season is. We can definitely go to adultswim.com and uh, watch all of season one and two. They're very cool about yeah. that. They are, yeah. Because it's, you know, who's almost everyone's going to miss that time schedule. <laughs> yeah. The whole season in it's one DVR week. theater. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I understand they got to get it out there. But, um, yeah, within the age of DVR, there's no excuse to miss it, I sure. guess, right? Except if you have a DVR that doesn't record like mine. Right. Well, and you, you got know. to watch his last well, episode on computers. If you're some kind of broke-ass <laughs> punk, I mean. You know. <laughs> All right, anyway, enough of that. Uh, again, check out Neon Joe, Werewolf Hunter on AdultSwim.com. You can watch the whole first season. I think it's ten episodes, and then season two, which is five. Yeah. It is ostensibly about hunting werewolves, but yes. really it's it's not. It's, it's really about finding yourself. Quick. That's about, it <laughs> it's about it's uh, John Glazer, right? Yeah, he's, John uh, Glazer. He's the one who does. I used to do a lot of the uh, background like uh, characters and stuff on Conan. Yeah, on the, yeah, he on was the all Conan O'Brien. Yeah, so I did not know that. It was cool to find that out. Yeah, but anyway, once again, AdultSwim.com, Neon Joe, Werewolf Hill. Yep. All right, with that, let's swing open the door to the comic Bolts. Kyle, would you like to go first this week? Sure. Seeing as you didn't have one last week. Yeah, I think this is uh, this is the first time I'll be doing a comic for this. Really? So, yeah, I didn't do it on the other two shows. Ah, the Virgin Ride. <laughs> so, here we go. Uh, I read uh, Fallen Sun. It was the death of Captain America. Uh, there's five issues, I think, and this is the first one with Wolverine. Um, I mean, pretty much... Uh, it's chapter one, denial. So I think it just goes through the, like the five stages of grief, basically. Um, but it's Wolverine. He hears that Captain America dies. He's talking to the Winter Soldier. Everybody's kind of in shock about it. So he gets onto a shield helicarrier, finds the guy that they think killed Captain America, finds out he didn't kill him. So he's just kind of in denial about everything. Right. Um, it's really just kind of... Um, I don't know. It kind of goes by pretty quick. Like, everything's just kind of happening. He's got Daredevil with him because he's got heightened senses, kind of a human lie detector, I think he calls him. Nice. Um, that was my nickname in high school. <laughs> hey, oh, this guy. <laughs> um, but they think that Crossbones killed him, so they end up finding out that Crossbones didn't kill him. I mean, that's essentially the whole comic is he's just kind of in denial that Cap's dead. And Everybody thinks he's dead. who they found out did it, but... Um... Man, that was a lot of fun to read when that came out. The comic store I used to go to, uh, it's called Dark Star Comics. I don't think it's nice. there anymore, but it's just a bookstore now. But uh, anyway, they used to have, I don't know, Marvel had to have sent these things in. You know how like some comic stores you can go in and there's like the uh, Comic News Weekly free paper mm-hmm. you can take? Sure. They had one there that was the Daily Bugle. Uh, and nice. it would fold open to like a miniature full spread newspaper. That's cool. And it, you know, said the Daily Bugle big across the top, and then it had that picture of Cap laying dead on the steps. It was I wanted to frame it. I still want to frame it. It was <laughs> really cool. But um, yeah, I really um, I don't know. I enjoyed this. It was a really nice art style. Everything was kind of um, kind of on the dark side. I mean, that's uh, with Wolverine. I mean, it's any Wolverine comic I've read. Everything's kind you of dark. Expect a kind of gritty. But side. yeah, the whole thing is just the whole background is you know. Cap's dead, like, everybody loves Captain America, everybody knows who he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so everything's kind of dark, and they're just in denial about it, so you get kind of an angry vibe from it. Yeah, it's it was interesting to dive into all the different characters, Splinter stories from that main event to see how they all dealt with it. Uh, yeah. Really good, though. Very cool. Alright, Brian, would you like to go next? Uh, sure. You know, I'm gonna... I'm going to go with one I read a while ago. It's older. I'm not sure if you guys read The Astonishing X-Men Run by Josh Whedon. Ooh. uh, I'm not familiar with that one. I'm thinking of Uncanny. No, I haven't read Astonishing. He wrote issues 1 through 25. And I could... It's probably... If I was going to recommend anything, there's a lot. That would be one to recommend. So, um, it's The Astonishing X-Men. And I... I remember I kind of been out of comics for a while and then got back into them. Um, my kids were getting old enough to read and I started to read and tried to get, you know, encourage them to read. So I was reading them with them and I started reading this astonishing X-Men and I was listening to some podcasts talk about it. And it was one of these things where I would read it and enjoy it. And then I hear these guys talk about it and then they would go into like some details that I'd be like, what, you know, and I would go back and look at it and I would, and it would hit me more. So th- there's a sequence, like you were saying, the uh, sequences in comics that phase you, that hit you. Mm-hmm. There's, 
Kitty Pride and uh, Colossus, is it? Yeah. Were a romantic interest, right? And I guess Colossus had. We could give spoilers away on this, right? Yeah, oh, go sure. right ahead. I, I hate to spoil anything, but it's it's just so good that Colossus had been dead, uh, which is obviously temporary in comics, but. <laughs> It, you know, it can be still worthwhile when someone dies or comes back if it's written right. And so there's a scene where she's phasing down both to to these bottom depths of this like um, this uh, I don't know underground facility to see what's going on down there. And she phases all the way down here, and there's like this this like um, closed off area, this long hallway. And she's standing there, and um, they show the sequence where it's got her and these like like guards or something running at her and then they the next panel is like they run right through her um and or no 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 it's i think it's yeah this is what it is as she's standing there first it's she's standing there and then you see all of a sudden she's just wide-eyed standing there frozen and then colossus is running toward her and she's just like frozen as you can imagine because she's like i thought he was dead and then the next panel he runs through her and there's like bullets coming after him and then the next panel is the bullets are just going right through her and then the next panel is these guards i think are running through her and she's just staying there frozen and and you can see the um poetic imagery of like how the bullets would be going through her but that's how she was feeling and stuff and so it oh, cool. and then there's yeah, it's it's just, it doesn't give away much of the plot or anything and then there's a, there's a few times where you're reading it and you have this like a, you have this brilliant sequence where you're reading it and it's one of these things where you're like you're reading it you're like did I miss something and, and you kind of look around and you go back and you read it again you go no you look through it look through it so they're, they're on a, a spaceship and they're being uh, uh, followed by another alien spaceship enemy a- aliens and so they are talking and they're ver- uh, who's the telepathic uh Emma Frost? Yeah, Emma Frost on there with Wolverine and, you know, Cyclops and all that. And they're talking about what they're going to plan to do and and going back and forth. And then they do this plan. And then you go back and you're confused about what's going on. But you go back and when they were talking, Emma Frost was giving a telepathic plan because they knew they were being tapped or bugged by the alien space station and they would hear their plan verbally. But the real plan was being transmitted through all of them telepathically. So he revisits that whole sequence of them talking, but then you see their thoughts and it goes into what they said and what they are actually thinking they're going to do. And then it goes to Wolverine where he's like, I, I wish I had a beer. That's all he's thinking. Right. <laughs> So he just does things, you know, in his in the story. And then the the I'll end with this: the ending of the twenty five issue arc is like a bullet to the heart. Man. It's it's epic, it's brilliant, and it's it's uh, it's worth it every every uh, page. I uh, I love the character of Emma Frost too. Uh, I, you saying that makes me think of a scene in the Old Man Logan. Uh, when he's running around Battle World trying to figure out what the hell's going on, he uh, he stumbles co- across Emma Frost, who I think she like puts in his head the image that all the X Men are still alive and stuff. When where in reality he not somehow had killed them. I don't know the details. I haven't got that far into it though. But just how she can place that reality uh, right in front of you. You know what I mean. Oh yeah, powerful. I, I think uh, that uh, Jessica Jones had that telepathic guy. I forget the Mister Purple. Oh, or the purple, purple man, or yeah. But it just yeah. gives you it gives you a uh, that that power is pretty powerful, man. You know, when they when it's written well, it's it can be creepy. Right, it really can be. And I um I wonder what Marvel will do after the Infinity Wars. Like if that'll be the last time we see like Chris Hemsworth or was that oh, his yeah. name? Yeah, Chris and Chris Evans and all of them, mm-hmm. like those those main lineup guys, because there's still like so many good stories to do. Yeah, like yeah. the House of M, like they've introduced mm-hmm. the Scarlet Witch character, so right. the whole House of M story, like it'd be hard to do in a movie format, but uh, it would be cool to see. I just can't see him doing it after the Infinity so Wars. So long as What's they m- keep printing money, I imagine they'll find a way. <laughs> <laughs> What's bigger than the Infinity Wars? How do yeah. you build up after that? Yeah. You know, 
I like that. What was that called again? Uh, Astonishing X-Men 1, issue 1 through 25 by Josh Whedon. I'm going to have to uh, read that. It sounds right. awesome. They, they, made it a, they actually made a bit of it into a motion comic, too, that was on Netflix for some time. You can probably find it online. Oh, but I remember I, that. Yeah, I did see part of that. I would read the book. I mean, it's it's got a few story arcs within it, but then it's all together a 25-issue story arc. That uh, very same motion comics might be on YouTube now, too. Might be. Don't quote me on look, that. At least. I know there are some motion comics on YouTube. But if not, like, most of your favorite stories, you can find someone who's, like, yeah. shot for shot, paneled them, and put music behind it. I love putting oh, that up yeah. on the TV and reading sure. comics that way sometimes. Get some dedicated fans out there. Yeah, you really do. I'm sure they do the whole 25 issues, though, but, um, yeah, I have seen, I forget how much of it. Yeah, motion. That's, that's probably got to, what, spam six, seven, seven uh, comic issues, individual issues, probably. Or no, you said 25. What am I thinking? Seven different graphic novels probably make up that oh, arc is yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, I doubt they did all of it, but yeah, I couldn't recommend it more. Cool. All right, Jake, what do you got? I've got something small for you that has left me with a lot more questions than answers. Maybe that's the theme here. Pick this up as a little free comic book day sampler type of situation. I've got here Kaiser Soze, Scorched Earth. What connection there is, if any, to the usual suspects remains to be discerned. <laughs> I don't think there was a, a pyrokinetic supervillain in that movie that I can recall. Did we watch the same but, movie? Uh, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> but um, the, the titular character is this fellow in a tan like hat and matching trench coat who appears to, in at least one hand, have the ability to manipulate fire. Uh, he's being chased by these figures who have some familiarity with him, some vendetta against him that's not really fleshed out. Uh, it culminates in a firefight with the cops where he not only sets the ground on fire and dispatches a few people that way, but he's something of a crack shot with a handgun ends up popping five or six different people. He seems like a real asshole. So <laughs> <laughs> whatever his plans are for the future, I'm what sure they involve. What label that on? Um, do you know? Do, do, looks like Red 5 Comics. Okay. Yeah, and it's got the Bad Hat Harry official logo there. So hey, hey. who oh, knows? Snap. Yeah. It's hard telling. I have no answers for you. Like I said, <laughs> yeah, those free comic book day comics are just like a quick glimpse yeah, into yeah, the it, world. It was, but, uh, in yeah. my ignorance, I assumed there would be enough to uh, fill a satisfactory comic vault segment, but oh, alas, well. Well, that's all we're given is a glimpse anyway, right? right yeah. But uh, yeah, some of those, like anything from Marvel and DC, typically you get like four pages of a story and then like the rest of the book is ads. But like, yeah. I know uh, Jeff McClellan's uh, The Tick book, there's always like two very full <laughs> sure. stories in those free comic book days. So very cool. Yeah. So check it out. And by all means, tell me what's happening when you get the chance. <laughs> all right. Very cool. So, uh, what I have this week, uh, we had on the show a while back, I think it was just a episode that me and Jack did, I think you were out that week, Jake, but we welcomed Ryan Little to the show to talk about uh, his book called Lonesomes, which is a uh, kind of a collectible monster uh, thing in the vein of Pokemon. I remember hearing about it. But far more interesting, these, these, uh, these creatures spawned off the different types of uh, loneliness a person exhibited. So if it was like a vicious, a mean, dark kind of loneliness, that's what that's what the creature would manifest as. So, very good comic. But anyway, we, uh, we had him on, we were talking about it, and once the print issues came out, he sent some our way, which was very nice of him, so oh, I'd like wow. to thank him. But he also sent along a book called Prometheus, another book he's done here, that I had no idea even existed. So I thought I would read it and uh, talk about it now. And uh, being an independent comic and being fairly new at that, I'm not going to give too much away about it because sure. he's trying to sell it. Yeah. <laughs> if I tell everybody, then no one's going to buy it. But um, it was a lot of fun. It seems the general scope of this book is uh, it's set in like Greek mythology. Like oh. Olympus oh, nice. has fallen. The fire of Olympus is gone. Olympus has fallen. And all the gods from Olympus have kind of... Uh, I guess gone out have fallen to earth and it starts with the god Prometheus which in Greek mythology is what the creator of mankind right he's the one who gave fire and like progress and intelligence to mankind right like before that fire was the strict domain of the gods sure 
So he it starts with him just kind of wandering the streets, uh, seems a bit disoriented, and he wanders into this uh, laundromat where there's this guy behind the counter just reading a magazine, and there's this blend of incense burning, and he walks in and goes, who told you to burn this? My blend of incense. Who? Who? And he goes, yeah, I, I'm just burning it, you know? It's, a, it's just coincidence, but... He goes, I, uh, I know who you are. I, you know, I thought you were the thing of, of, of legend. He goes, legend would imply fiction. I'm not fictional, you know. <laughs> I'm Prometheus. And so it cuts to where he's been. And some of these others who have fallen uh, from Olympus have been kind of keeping him and fighting him to the death for their amusement. But he uh, somehow escaped and has acquired an iPad from this guy at the laundromat who he just finished telling the story to after uh, crashing in the back for three days, sleeping solid for three days. He gets this iPad and gets caught up on the world. The guy takes him to see the cityscape because apparently it's been a long time since he's... It would uh, have to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, he looks at the iPad, gathers some information quick. His eyes start to glow as he does, and then he just snaps the iPad in half like he's found what he's looking for. Jeez. And... Uh, I'm just going to kind of leave it at that. He goes looking for the others who have fallen and nice. wants to find out who's responsible for, one, taking the fire from Olympus, and two, uh, why humanity is just the way it is, why they aren't walking on clouds and sure. making building legends and <laughs> living like they once did in Olympus. So not what I expected, a pleasant surprise. I was very, uh, I was taken by it. I liked well, it a lot. I should so. like to read that sometime. I love that right concept. There. Well, thank you. Take it with you and read it. It was a gods lot of fun. fallen from grace and all of that. Like uh, American Gods. I don't know if you guys have seen any of that. It's on They're stars. reading a lot about it. Yeah. No. It's all I'm thinking of the, uh, the Divine. Or the Divided. See, it's, it's not too um, too different from that. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I what, do. What's yeah. the title? I'm, uh, I want to say it's like the Divine and the Wicked or the that's Pain it. or something. That's it. Divine and the Wicked, where a lot of all these uh, ancient gods keep uh, manifesting themselves as celebrities like and celebrities stuff. and yeah, pop yeah. stars and stuff. Yeah. This is uh, this is a series based on a, a book by Neil Gaiman. So, mm-hmm. okay. you know, you've got that excellent name to attach to it, and uh, the, the television series has been pretty excellent, but it deals in a lot of that, you know, gods as humans, right. or rather gods yeah. as vulnerable people wandering the earth. Really awesome concept, something sure. I'm very into right now. So yeah, I can't wait to read this. So yeah, that's it. Prometheus, again, uh, that was Ryan Little who did that, and stupid, flip the uh, cover open there. Is there a website on the inside page Let's see there? what we got. Um, we've got uh, some Twitter links. Mr. Ryan Comics is Mr. Ryan Comics. Ryan Little's uh, handle there. So, yeah, check him out, and I'm sure we'll be tweeting some links to to the website so you can check out some more Prometheus or Lonesome's goodness. So, I think that's going to do it for this week's Comic Vault. Uh, But before we move on, one thing I wanted to touch on really quick uh, a buddy of mine who I've mentioned on the show before, uh, Brent Umina, whom I work with, he's the same fellow who uh, tore apart and rebuilt the Sega Game Gear for me. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he invited me to a convention that was happening right here in Hilliard, just right down the road, a place called the McCoy Center. A place I knew existed, never knew what it was. It's right across the street from the comic book store, pretty much. And uh, he said it was a, it's called Korg's Con, uh, Columbus, Ohio Retro Gaming Convention. Hmm. And uh, he said, you ought to come out, you know, find some Game Gear games or something. So uh, I guess last year was at the fairgrounds, and I didn't know what to expect. I hadn't been told what it was like, so I didn't expect a whole lot. And boy, was I knocked on my ass. This was a nice convention. It was really cool. Um, About any avenue of retro gaming you can think of was there. They even had games that didn't exist. Like, uh, I don't remember what they were calling them, but they're uh, like fan-made games. So there was like Luigi-themed Mario games that you could buy. Or like the the Pokemon games on Game Boy. They were modded onto uh, Super NES cartridges. Oh, yeah. I saw Sega games that had Mario in them, Mario games that had (laughs) Sega in them. It was... Crazy dogs and yeah. cats living together. Yeah, but there were uh, there were also a couple of video game historians there that I had mm. no idea were going to be there. And had I, I would have uh, got some time to talk sure. with them. But uh, I did get their information. I am going to get them on the show here in the near future. But what I was able to uh, nab was a quick interview with uh, Gary Carnucci, who is the founder of the whole convention. So uh, he still. Like I said, stepped away a couple minutes to talk to me. I got it on tape, so I'm going to clip that in right here. I 
am here at the uh, Korg Retro Video Gaming Convention in Hilliard, Ohio, at the McCoy Center, and I'm speaking with Gary Carnucci. Thanks for talking with me, Gary. Oh, you're, you're fine, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. This is my first time at this convention, and i got to say, I'm rather impressed. This is a lot more than I was expecting. How long have you been doing this convention? Nine years. This is our ninth year. We oh, started wow. in 09. 09. And almost every every time we had a um, different place, because I had to keep getting bigger. Right. So it was the biggest place so far. It's about 8,800, almost 9,000 square feet. And this is the first year you're having at the McCoy Center? Yeah. Yes, yeah, awesome. Yeah. It looks, it's gorgeous. I can't wait to dig in. So you yourself, where does your uh, infatuation with video games begin? You know, I started back in 94. I went home and I found my Atari 2600 system, and I found my big track and some handheld games, and I got hooked. So I had to start going to um, garage sales and flea markets Absolutely. and finding stuff. So since 94, I've been collecting everything, and all I sell is, uh, are, are doubles. So everything you see out there, I already have. You've already got a copy yeah. of That's I impressive. I sell singles. I only sell doubles. And for the listeners at home, there's quite a uh, escaping table of video <laughs> like games 7, here. 7,000 games or so, probably. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, one can only imagine. So you keep saying the uh, the convention's getting bigger, growing every year. Any big plans for next year? Uh, not at the moment. I don't know if I want to have it here or not because I know we had several people that couldn't come to the show. Like, they had prior engagements. So I would have sold out of tables and I would have had people left out. So uh, right. I'm just going to try to find a bigger, um, bigger venue next time. And it was 90 units that sold? Out today, is that correct? I think we had like um, 88 tables. 88. Still, that's, that's not, yeah, impressive. Not bad at all. Very nice. Yeah. That's awesome. And they're eight foot too. So usually we have six all foot. Right. This place only has only has eight foot tables. Right. So six foot tables, you can fit more in there. Right. We just had eight. So eighty eight eight foot tables. That's probably like about a hundred and twenty six foot. This is so impressive, con. Yes, that's for sure. Well, um, for the listeners at home, is there anywhere online they can check you out or check out what you're about, what you're doing? Here? Oh yeah, yeah. You know, if you look up cords, sometimes it's hard to find it. If you want to look at my name, Gary Carnucci, you can probably find it that way. But Korgs, I have a page on Facebook. And I have a group on Facebook as well. Awesome, awesome. We'll also put links to that on the website to help direct people that way. So, Gary, I'm going to let you get back to work, but thanks so much for taking a few minutes to talk with me, man. Thank you, sir, so much. Thank you. All right, and so that was my interview again with Gary Carnucci. Uh, I feel bad that we didn't let the general public know about this in any way, but again, I was uh, unaware of it. So being aware of it now, when it comes around next year for its 10th anniversary, oh, nice. uh, we'll be letting everyone know well ahead of time that you can make awesome. it out, because if you're into games, you're going to love this It'll convention. be something to check out. I can't wait to go myself. Yeah, okay, yeah. just $7 to get in. Oh, you can't geez. beat that. Yeah. You, you can't beat that. I paid 90 for Gen Con, so Jesus. <laughs> get ripped off there, Gen Con. Right? <laughs> I'm paying for the privilege of spending money. Right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, with all that behind us, let's just turn our full attention over to Brian Lau and talk about staunch ambition. Thanks again for being with us, Brian. Oh, it's awesome, man. And uh, I just need you to go right ahead and tell us about staunch ambition. What I gathered from the uh, the Kickstarter that just finished up rather recently, and congratulations to you on that, by the way, um, was that uh, technology has just keeps advancing at a rapid rate to the point where we're able, or humankind rather, is able to like travel the dream plane and stuff like that. I feel like I've got a very nutshell understanding of what's going on here. Can you explain it to us? Uh, yeah, the, the one of my taglines is "Welcome to the new enlightenment." So, as you said, technology compounds and advances. What if, through technology, mankind, humankind enters into the supernatural or the thought dimension? Um, and so th- that was the overall intriguing idea of this story um, that drove me to ultimately do this book. And what would the implications be? Not only the new enlightenment, supernatural age, but um, with advanced technology. So um, I'll give you a little insight on the title. Uh, Staunch Ambition, if you look at it visually, has the word station on an angle. And the point yeah. of it. Yeah, the point is that um, Staunch Industries is in the book, and they're they're a a company that uh, industry that is one of the leads in technology. So, and they build the ambition, which is a space station that uh, the story starts out on, is pretty integral to the story. So, um, thus, station on an angle. So, and then. This space station's pretty sweet. And in fact, I, I'm working with a guy. I started a new job relatively, or about a month ago, and this guy next to me builds models, and him and I are talking about 
actually building a model, you know, big enough to put on my con table um, of the uh, space station. So that would be really sweet. That would be awesome. Oh, yeah. And, uh, yeah, with lights, and I'm like trying to get them to have it where I can fly it around the room. <laughs> oh, until the first <laughs> dirtbag walks in the room and puts his grimy hands on it. And, <laughs> oh, I hate people. Yeah. Hey, man. Yeah. Get away from it. <laughs> that sounds awesome, though. Yelling at some kids, but yeah, the space station design <laughs> you can see online at the website. Everything, everything is staunch ambition on all the social media, the website, just straight up staunch ambition. But you can see, you know, images of the uh, space station, and and the design is based off of a jellyfish originally. So it, but it does actually have functionality to the design. For it's one of the reveals in issue one is its location. It's it's in quite a unique. It has quite a unique role, and it's in quite a unique uh, location in our uh, reality. So, but uh, then uh, to just uh, end with the story is uh, integral to the story. Obviously, has to be the characters, and so there's several characters. Three of them main characters are Azurus, Riel, and uh, uh, Rod. And Azurus is he's got like reddish skin. He, he's in the this is supposed to be like it could take place in our future, if that was uh, implied. But right. it's not a galaxy far, far away. So it's it's like this. Maybe this could happen. So in in this story, the future, they genetically engineer um, clones, worker clones, spliced between animal and human DNA, and they make these clones without any sexual organs, so that they would just focus on working, not go off and colonize or, or become independent. Uh, and and one of the clones is Azurus, who has like a reddish skin and uh, he's one of the main characters that the story starts out with and classic sci-fi starts you know, you often gets into AI becoming human, which obviously I'll get into some, but I kind of want to get into some of this uh, Azurus becoming uh, um, uh, conscious What what is he you know, what is, what am I Male, female. It doesn't have sexual organs. He's he's a mix between human animal. What am I? Human animal. What does it mean to be male, female, human, or or animal? So I want to kind of play with some of that um, as he gets into it. And then Riel is a female lead um, uh, administrator on the staunch uh, or on the ambition, the space station, and she's a, a human character, but. Her backstory gets into who are her parents and who is she, which uh, issue three starts to delve into that. So that's going to be awesome. And then Nimrod, Rod is nicknamed Nimrod because he's got kind of a eccentric, eccentric genius that's a pain in the ass and comes in and just gets the the shit hits the fan when he uh, enters the stage. So that sounds really cool. This kind of reminds me of. Have you guys ever seen the movie uh, AI? I have yeah long ago that was a really good movie but at the very very end there's like a two minute if two minute scene where he uh, the the Haley Joel Osment hey, hey a second yeah. Haley Joel reference in one episode <laughs> it's all connected buy a lottery ticket folks no he he uh, wakes up like in the like, yeah he encounters those aliens future. and but who's to say they were aliens you know that uh, could have been, been the next step like in this case like. Technology advanced yeah, so yeah. far, we, our next step of being or whatever. Yeah, the shape of them, they were like some captive space-time element. Yeah, you know? yeah. What an awesome yeah, so, idea! So, some of the things I, you know, like you know, I, I love sci-fi, and I'm, I'm a huge geek, but uh, and and I love theology, philosophy, and history and stuff like that. So, you know, sci-fi is great to, to play with that kind of stuff. But one one of the some of the things that I, you know, are kind of integral to this universe are: uh, what if women don't have, birth, you know, give children or give birth to children naturally, but they have incubation centers? You know, how would that affect society or the view of women? Or, and I'm sure there would be sex of, of women who would be against that, and then would still have, you know, children naturally. And then, what it, one of the things in this future would be that they. With science, you know, we start to discover a little bit more of what happens when we sleep. And so they don't, they're not able to undo the need to sleep, but they, they build these machines that will um, process and regenerate your blood um, that you can connect up to at night. And you can get like at 10 hours of sleep and four hours or, and it also, you know, you know, is tied into your nutrition and your waste. 
But uh, of course, then what is that? How does that affect the way you view the world? That you don't sleep like we do today, and and uh, um, and then of mm. course would be abusing these kinds of technologies to where you know you would you know how you would not even get four hours of sleep but you would just you know push it to the limit or you would uh, people could take them and use it to get high or something who knows but so those aren't the story but those are in the story in the backdrop of the uh the setting of what these people and the characters uh the universe they live in so amazing I wish I could write stuff like this. Yeah, that sounds pretty <laughs> awesome. Oh, man. Now, like I mentioned earlier, coming off the heels of a successful Kickstarter, which was for the second issue, correct? Uh, yes. Yeah. So now that the Kickstarter has been successfully funded, when is this uh, going to be available? Well, I just did uh, Motor City Comic Con. I, where are you guys at in uh we're in Columbus, Ohio. Fabulous Columbus. Yeah, okay, I forgot this. So cool, we're going to see each other at, I'm going to be doing Wizard World, Columbus, uh, my first Wizard World. Oh, yeah, we'll be there Stands covering the reason we'll be there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right, yeah, I forgot I talked to you guys about that. So, man, I'm yeah. looking forward to it. It's hard to keep track. I, I, I have a bad memory. Oh, you're but, fine, man. Yeah, so cool. I'm looking forward to Columbus. And then I just did Motor City, and I had issue two just printed so i have uh issue two just came out um and right now i'm just sending you know sending um the what is it the reward uh questionnaires or whatever oh yeah Uh, i can't think of the word but whatever it is where they give me the address and all that so yeah issue two is actually technically available but i'm actually having to um juggle a lot here at once so but you can order it on the website i have a preview issue Issue one and uh, and uh, issue two is out. And I have to say how uh, impressed I was with a lot of the prizes or rewards rather that you were giving away with people who sponsored. Like there was a whole bunch of awesome looking T-shirts. Like typically someone has one, maybe two T-shirts. There was what nine, maybe to yeah. choose from. And um, another thing that was that always gets to me. I've seen a few people do this, but it gets me every time is when original music is made. For a oh, project yeah. like this, and the, you, the, there's a band Elements of Cadence. It looks like uh, who is doing a few tracks for you. Can you uh, tell us about that at all? Well, it's Elements of Cadence and uh, Jason Conley, and the deal is that I, I've tinkered around on a piano for years, and I've come up with certain melodies that I've composed. But I'm not a musician, and I've always dreamed of uh, taking working with an actual musician and producing the music. So when I decided to do this book, I was like, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to do it. So I, I scoured kick, uh, Kickstarter and found Elements of Cadence, who are, you know, amazing rock group. And they had a, a reward for to write a song with you. And so I backed them and then I recorded me playing my melodies and sent it to them. And we went back and forth and we did a alternative rock song, which I used in my first Kickstarter trailer, which you can see at Kickstarter, or I think I have it on my website. Um, Amazing song, and it works perfect for the trailer. And then I took my melodies also and worked with Jason Conley to do an uh, electronic instrumental song. So they're they're done by two different uh, artists, but one's an alternative rock song, and one's a with lyrics and all that, and one's an electronic instrumental. And and they were perfect to give away as music for people who buy the books and to use for the trailers and stuff like that so absolutely all right i will uh yeah clip some of these songs at the end of the episode here we can get a taste of them it's gonna be an interesting episode musically i could could set the uh, mp3s of both if you want that would be fantastic yeah shoot them my way please yeah will do man and we'll get them on the episode there now you had mentioned uh when we talked via twitter long before we had talked about you being on the show that you know, not only you were going to be doing the Space Con here in Columbus, but uh, like you just said a minute ago, the Wizard Con. Is this the, your first year really getting into the convention scene? Are you new to it, or no? I, uh, I when I was going to do this book, I thought you know it's going to be quite a bit of a hassle to build a, uh, a fan base. So I did a preview issue, and I started hitting the conventions with the preview issue probably about I don't know three years ago or two and a oh, half. Oh, wow, you're a veteran then. <laughs> I, a little bit, you know. It's, it's, uh, but the thing is, is, I wanted to get something out there. I had, a, you know, I had issue one, but I wanted to, and, and the preview issue has a uh, prologue to the whole concept, the story. It gives you a little bit of their history. 
and then uh, yeah, I've, I've been touring around you know different conventions with issue with the previews issue one and now issue two. So that's awesome. I cannot it's, wait to uh, meet up with you at Columbus and uh, catch up and see some of these in the uh, in person. Have we're gonna have a hand. good time. I think we are. Yeah, you guys are gonna have to uh, show me around there. I, I'm actually gonna be with a friend too, but um, that'll be awesome to hook up. I don't know if uh, yeah. you guys any after parties or whatnot but oh, uh, um we can find something to get yeah, going on figure sure. it out. <laughs> sweet yeah absolutely well brian thanks so much for being with us and again to our uh, listeners that's staunchambition.com and on twitter or even instagram probably uh, all the social media at staunch ambition we'll be putting links to that uh up on our website and social media to help uh people get over there so indeed we will yeah again brian thanks so much Oh, it's awesome, guys. Take care. What do we got on the website there, Jake? Well, loyal listeners, be sure to check out our website, CandairPodcast.com, where you can see our special guest page, something we are very proud of. That our we are. contacts page, if you'd like to be on the show or a part of it in some capacity. Um, you can check out our merch at Society6.com slash Podcast. Oh, yeah. You got to do it. We got good stuff there for We you. didn't do another commercial. We didn't. We didn't. Maybe it's okay to skip now and again. Yeah, we can just do it now. We- Tasty well, t-shirts. Go get your t-shirts. <laughs> Quality threads. That's threads with a Z because you know we're cool. Society6.com forward slash CandarePod. You can't miss it. It's can't right up it. there on the website if I'm not I'll mistaken. shut up about the t-shirts. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> um, YouTube as well. We've got some stuff on there and lots more on the way. We're, we're super serial, you guys. Yes, it's going to happen. Coming. This posts on uh, Thursday night, which will be what? That'll be June... First, that it will. The fourth, we are set to record a whole slew of videos that should be going up in the next few weeks after that. So it's going to be a treat. about three weeks out to, for some new material to start trickling on there. Good stuff, though. It'll be worth the wait, I think. So uh, I think that's going to do it this week. Anything else, guys? Uh, have a good day, everybody. Well said, Jake. Thanks. Well said. What about you, Kyle? Uh, happy Memorial Day, everyone. There it is. Happy oh, Memorial Day to you guys, too. Specific. <laughs> Until next time, I am Jeremy Colley. I'm Jake Runyon. I'm Kyle Pryor. And this is Brian Lyle, Sancho Ambition. Thanks for listening, everyone. Getting lost in your mind Somewhere in outer space In a different time From another place I'm not sure who I am I'm not sure what I've done I'm burning alive In this bubble on the sun Oh no, the house is on fire! I need to get help! Do it from outside! Blowtorch! Whenever there's a fire in your house, be sure to get outside immediately. And once outside, get on CandarePodcast.com. Well, thanks for the tip, Blowtorch, but just one question. What about the fire? And no one is half the battle. G.I. Joe! How about that uh, sport bowl? Sport bowl? Sport bowl, yeah. How about See when that, they uh, scored the points? Yeah. That was intense. Big fan of the sport bowl. Yeah. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Warriors in Their Own Words, a podcast that presents the unvarnished, unsanitized truth of what we have asked of those who defend this nation. As a country, we need these stories more than ever. Stories from Americans who have borne the battle, including 30-year-old remastered interviews with veterans from World War I recounting their time in the trenches of Europe, and with veterans from World War II, Korea, Vietnam, and from our most recent conflicts in Iraq, Afghanistan, and other battlefields Americans may never have heard of. Hear their stories by listening to Warriors in Their Own Words wherever you find podcasts.